the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved, and I will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The fourth Sunday of the Easter season, which is what today is, is popularly known as Good Shepherd Sunday, as each year for our gospel reading on this fourth Sunday of Easter, we read a portion of John chapter 10, the central and uniting theme of which is Jesus saying, I am the Good Shepherd. Each year on this fourth Sunday of Easter too, the psalm every single year is the by so many of us cherished 23rd psalm which begins with those well-known and cherished words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And on this fourth Sunday of Easter, finally, we have two other readings every year, which vary from year to year, but which invariably um, paint with some additional textures and colors that explicitly or implicitly add some additional, additional depth to our understanding of shepherds and sheep and Jesus and us. We're going to do something this morning I very rarely do in a sermon. We're going to take a look, albeit uh, necessarily a brief one at all four of our texts for today in a sermon titled Shepherds and Jesus and Sheep and Us and because this isn't just a theme to cozy up with but also a theme to live with and live into so this sermon's entire title is Shepherds and Jesus and Sheep and Us and Our Lives Live Not Only Beside the Still Waters and Green Pastures of Places Like This Place but Also Through the Dark and Shadowed valleys of places all over the place in God's sin-broken world. Yes, it is the longest sermon title I've ever constructed. Have no fear, however, little flock, because uh, it will not be the longest sermon I've ever preached, as it turns out. Uh, I, I, I keep track of word count. My maximum I allow myself is 2,500 words. This one actually runs about 250 less than that, so, you know, hang in there. We start with the gospel reading. Uh, Unique 
one of the beautifully unique things about John's Gospel is this is where we find uh, only in John's Gospel what are called the I am sayings of Jesus as in Jesus saying I am the Good Shepherd but did you notice that in John uh, 10 in this portion of it which is the first third of John 10 uh, he actually says another I am saying is all is what he says is I am the gate for the sheep the gate he's referring to in terms of shepherds in those days was the gate um, that, that sheep entered through in the evening as they entered at the end of the day to enter the fold where they spent the night times dark, protected from things in the dark, but also the gate through which in the morning they passed in the other direction to follow their shepherd in search of the life-sustaining and life-giving nourishment and refreshment of green pastures and still waters. Jesus, in John 10, identifies as both the gate for the sheep and the shepherd of the sheep. The one, in other words, both with whom and through whom we are given life and live life that is the life that life is meant to be. I came that my sheep may have life, he says, and have it abundantly. Does your life feel abundant these days? Sometimes, uh, oftentimes, mine surely does. Uh, but other times too, too many times, darn it, um, it doesn't. When it doesn't, it's not uncommon for me finally uh, to get around to realizing that the voices I've been listening to then, oftentimes in the dark, are not the voice of my shepherd who would lead me with his love, but rather the voices of others who would lead me with their self-interests and bravado, both of which are oftentimes masks they wear to cover their fears and to cover me with their fears. Jesus in this gospel reading explicitly critiques those other religious leaders at the top of religion's hierarchies of power and prestige who would be shepherds but whose voice isn't the voice of the shepherd. He calls them thieves and robbers because why? Because they're living their nice lives and making their nice livings by being takers, not givers which is exactly not the voice of the Good Shepherd who would take from his sheep nothing save their sin, than to give for them his life, thus to give to them abundant and true life. Does your life feel true? Could be in the dark you've been listening too closely to the takers and their lies that truly are lies rather than the giver above all givers and truth that truly is true. The cherished 23rd Psalm is one of a group of Psalms known as Psalms of Trust, written by one, possibly perhaps David, probably I think David, who before he was a king uh, was a shepherd and who did come to believe and trust and who via this psalm invites us to believe and trust that, that not only does God the Son come to be known as the Good Shepherd but so too Almighty God in all of God's almightiness desires not just to be known by Almighty Almightiness but also as our Shepherd who of course is Almighty but who is mightiest of all with love which loves God's own always and watches over God's own always. 
Very important to note, however, is the psalm's clear understanding that God's loving God's own always and watching over God's own always does not mean that God's own lives are always walks in the park where all things are always bright and beautiful, which of course all things aren't. For the psalmist knows and wants us to know too that sometimes life isn't a walk in the park with the sun brightly shining and the tulips brightly blooming. Sometimes, rather, life is a walk through a valley shadowed with evil that truly is evil, and darkness that is truly dark, and with dying that is truly dead, be it at that moment death for us or for one we love. The psalmist does not say that life's, in life's shadowed valleys I will see no evil or know no evil or experience no evil or die no death. The psalmist says rather that in life's shadowed valleys, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me right there in the dark, right there in the presence of my enemies. As a uh, pastor now for 39 years uh, as of this year, I cannot count all the times I have recited this psalm with someone who was dying. And often, if they are still able, even if they hadn't been talking, if they're still able, their lips start to move and they recite it with me. And oftentimes too, if they are still able, I then prepare a table for them, the bread and wine of communion. And then in the presence of death, lurking in the shadows, we feast on the promise of life. As too, in the presence of the enemy, sin, condemning from the shadows, we feast on the promise of forgiveness. And too, in the presence of the enemy fear, seeking to frighten from the shadows, we rest in the bosom of the shepherd, blanketed in the promise of the shepherd that death will of course come to all of us one day and do what death does, but I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For the Lord is my shepherd, and the Son of God, my good shepherd, are both guide and gate to life so abundant that neither death nor sin can tear us from its arms. Yesterday, a few of us gathered uh, here to entrust to the promises of the shepherd, Donald Keith Brown. I saw him uh, the last time, just a few hours before he died. Um, he was no longer able to sup on the feast of the bread and the wine. He was no longer able to move his lips and to feast aloud with me on the feast of the 23rd Psalm. Maybe he couldn't hear me at all. It is entirely possible. But he was a sheep of the shepherd. And over the years, I have been with too many people as they were dying to believe anything other than in that moment as I heard my voice say the words, the Lord is my shepherd. He heard the voice of the shepherd. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And, and the shepherd was saying something like, Don, I've got your hand in mind and you are oh so almost home. I did not say that to him. His shepherd did. I am actually certain of this. Which takes us to that reading from Acts today where we discover that if the voice we are listening to truly is the voice of the shepherd, it will not be true, never, with a truth that is the truth only for us. 
It will be true rather with truth that is meant to be known as true by others through us. In that reading from Acts, in a passage describing the very, very, very earliest Christian church, I mean literally the earliest Christian church, this is the church in Jerusalem in the very first few months that there even ever was such a thing as Christians. Though the word shepherd is not used in that text, here is a truth made known in that text. Christ's church called to new life unto forever life by the shepherd are called as well to live life here and now by becoming, in his name, shepherding communities which guide and give life to the world, be it the life that word and sacrament bring or the life that a helping hand or a generous heart brings. Here, here again these words describing this Christian church that was literally only months from its birth. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the good will of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. I will let you wrestle. In fact, I challenge you to wrestle. In fact, I dare you to wrestle with how far or how literally to take that example from the church in its earliest days and apply it to you in your life or us in our lives together as church these days. But you can take this to the bank. Easter and Pentecost did not birth American capitalism. They birthed radical compassion. They did not birth only a hope one day for eternal life. They birthed a passion to make a difference in the lives of those in need and among us and around us here in this life. They did not birth success in life defined by accumulation. They birthed success in life defined by generosity. For the first church, shepherded into being by the risen from the dead love of the Good Shepherd, knew to its call to rise from the death of the world's fear of loving. Then as a shepherding community to do the loving that needs doing, to bring life in the name of the shepherd to the world. Finally, that passage from 1 Peter, where Peter reminds us that Christ, in the course of being the shepherd of us sheep gone astray, suffered for that, paid a price for that. Shepherding cost him, in other words, costing him, in his case, everything he had and everything he had to give. About which Peter summarizes, to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps, which of course were the, ones, the steps of one who would suffer love. Sometimes in life we face hard times because we got off course. We slipped in our faith and our faith journey and now we're paying the price for that. Been there, done that, that's the truth. And Peter of course knew that truth full well as well. But Peter reminds us too of the truth that called to follow our suffering shepherd. It's also some possible that sometimes as we live our lives in this world that in its sin brokenness is so afraid of 
and threatened by love like the love of our shepherd, don't be shocked if at times you find yourself facing hard times because you kept at the faith. You kept loving like the shepherd. Now to find yourself paying a price as you experience the hateful and hurtful pushback of those who would rather nail love to a cross and damn love to hell rather than be saved of it. That kind of suffering isn't, says Peter, to be avoided. Actually, according to Jesus elsewhere, that kind of suffering, suffering for loving, especially for loving those whom the powerful don't want loved, lest they start to feel empowered. That kind of suffering, says Jesus elsewhere, suffering for doing the right thing, suffering for doing the loving thing, is suffering over which the angels sing loving praises. Amen.